With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL podcast. I'm Connor Orr. Albert Breer is here. And what better way to bring in my insufferable Ohio State fan <laughs> co-host than by talking about C.J. Stroud. There's no other place to start, Albert. This guy's going to take over the NFL. 470 yards, five touchdowns, rookie yardage record. And, I mean, I, I would call it the game of the week. I mean, sure, there I mean, are more it, important things to talk about here, but the Texans beat the Buccaneers, and that was the game of the week. It was weird because I remember thinking, so, like, the Baker leads the team down the field. And I, I almost felt like the story was going to be like, Wow, maybe Baker Mayfield, the back half of the season, can really do something with the Bucks, and they're and right that still in the might NFC, be true. They're right in the NFC, yeah, and they're right in the NFC South race, and uh, and then you know you look and it's like okay, there's 46 seconds left, two timeouts. There's no way they're gonna win, but maybe CJ gets the. I think he was like within like what 30 yards of the rookie single game passing record, so that'd be cool, you know. Like, so it's like maybe we come out of this, and the two stories are CJ breaks the record, and then Baker obviously has. Maybe his biggest day as a Buccaneer. What he did at the end of that game was freaking ridiculous. I mean, I don't know how many quarterbacks are capable of doing that, but I don't think the list is very long, Connor. I mean, I I don't know. I'm as caught off guard by this as everybody because, uh, you know, I think back to one game I can think of that was – there are two games that were like this for him at Ohio State. There was the Rose Bowl where they came from way back against Utah – and then the next year, last year, there was the loss to Georgia um, in the Peach Bowl. And it just, I don't know what clicked for him, but it feels like that's him every game now, <laughs> you know? And um, to make the throws to Tank Dell down the stretch with no timeouts, right? Like, so what were they at the, they were at the, like right around midfield, right? With no timeouts left. They had to burn the two timeouts because, Dalton Schultz, he threw it twice to Dalton Schultz underneath. At, they were inbounds. And so they burned the two timeouts. They get to midfield, and you're thinking, okay, like they're just going to throw it in the end zone now. And I almost I almost can't decide which of the last two throws is more impressive. The, t- the one where the Buccaneers were in too deep, and you hit the receiver as his foot's dragging on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- this it was is like a whole we- shot. It was like, into, for people who don't know, like it was, that was into like, like a very small dead spot in the coverage far, far away from where CJ Stroud was standing. Right. 
And so for me, you know, that encapsulated the day because my takeaway on Stroud was it's not that we didn't know he could do this, but it was the nature of doing these all back to back to back to back to back. The Texans had 10 points with 12 minutes to go in the third quarter. And CJ Stroud had one touchdown. He finished the game with five touchdowns, 470 yards, and the Texans had 39 points. And it was that the the first touchdown of the second half where I think it was uh, Dell as well, and you have him on the go ball into the corner of the end zone from yep. like 40 yards out. He's like he's a flat-footed too, like the way he threw that. Like it looked like he he was almost like like the the, the body position he threw that from. He didn't need to put anything into it. He just yeah. like kind of flicked his wrist from a standing still position and put it in the back corner of the end zone. I mean, the degree, the degree of difficulties on some of these throws is ridiculous. If I'm a coach, it's not again, that the numbers that scare me, it's the fact that he was able to put together a bunch of elite throws in a short period of time under duress and against a very good defensive coach. And mm-hmm. I think that all that combined together. So I got in a little bit of trouble. I posted that uh, I wrote about Stroud. And then I said, no right way. Now, Your instant reaction got some blowback. Right now, I think he is a top eight quarterback at this exact moment okay, in time. So I factoring guess I in to... all of the injuries. If okay. you eight, are you taking eight other quarterbacks? And I think if I rephrase it, it's okay, probably even on. higher. Hold on. All right, so we have to do this then, right? So Mahomes, Mahomes, Allen. Burrow, Allen. That's three. Yep. yep. Trevor, four. Four. Lamar, five. Five. Stafford's hurt. <laughs> like I, I don't think this is a controversial. Um, everyone's like, oh, Tua, and it's but like that's what, what that, that's what everybody says when they have a controversial opinion. Is I don't think this is a controversial. Okay, opinion. Herbert, Herbert, Herbert. We're missing Herbert. Herbert, that's Herbert. six. Hurts. Six. Seven. Okay. Who else? Like See, I'm doing like the division by division thing in my head. Yeah. I mean he might be like, eight. He might be eight. Like, think about it, dude. I mean That's crazy to think about, but you're right, he might be eight. Holy crap. And and if you rephrase it, who if you're starting a franchise over today? Right. Again, well the thing is all the guys we just named are still relatively young, I think. There wasn't that's an true. old like Stafford would have been the younger guy in that group. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't think you have enough yet to take him over. Like, I mean, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, no, certainly, definitely no. not. But even like Herbert, like we don't have enough evidence yet. But because Herbert looked like this is a rookie too, to some degree, right? Yes. So, but this is, um, I mean, yeah, like he, you know, look, the, I think the most impressive thing, like I, I remember when he was in school, he like the comparison to Burrow. And um, I don't know if they're quite stylistically the same, but I think the one area where they are the same is what they do is very sustainable. You know? They both navigate the pocket well. Yeah, you could argue, like, there could be a shelf life to Lamar. There could be a shelf life to Josh Allen, right? Even Mahomes. Like, Mahomes takes a lot of hits. Like, the game Burrow plays, one of the things I really like about Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow is going to be able to play that way till he's 38, you know? And I feel the same way about CJ. Like, I think CJ, the way he plays is very sustainable. And 
is sustainable about against all kinds of defenses, right? Almost doesn't matter what you have. He's going to have answers for it because he plays such a cerebral game. So uh, there's a lot to like there. There's no question. I mean, like you talk about the Texans, <laughs> how like one guy, and it's not one guy because it's D'Amico also. It's other people in that organization. So it's not one guy, but how much one guy has done to change the perception. Like, think about how we were thinking about them three months ago, two months ago, right? Yeah. No one thought this was coming two months ago. And like, I don't think I would have two months ago. Like I may have had like a personal interest in watching the Texans because of where Stroud went to school. But other than that, like, I mean, they would have been way down my list. They wouldn't have made it onto one of my screens, you know? And like yesterday at the end of that game, I couldn't stop watching them. So uh, a little peek behind the curtain here. Um, I I write as things are happening probably two or three times on Sunday and editor Mitch Goldich and I were talking about a column on coaching ingenuity because we were mm-hmm. like, okay, how cool is this? The Texans are in this game without a kicker. The Vikings are in a game where Josh Jobs got there on Tuesday, basically, you know, writing about how some of these coaches are, are great and how they are able to figure this stuff out at the last minute. And then Baker Mayfield scores at 46 seconds left and Mitch goes, okay, let's think of something else. And, I turn away and I'm like starting to look and then I get a notification on my phone like I'm watching a couple other games and I've tanked Ellen Fantasy that he caught a touchdown. And I was like, oh, well, that must have been just from like an hour ago and I'm <laughs> just getting a delayed reaction. Right? And then yeah. I tur- and then and then Mitch is like, turn this game on right now. And I, I, I was floored. I couldn't believe it. Like they even still they weren't on one of my screens and I could not believe how just cool he was through that whole thing. I mean, what a, what a, what an arrival game for him. I mean, yeah. And I think like it's so if you're in Houston right now, the really cool thing about it is I, it's not like it's like we haven't seen a quarterback do this before. I just think it's rare to see it this early. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, what's rare about what we're watching with him. Like with Burrow, I think we saw it pretty quickly, but it might not have looked quite this way. Right. With Herbert, I think we did see it. Like, I think Herbert is like probably a good comparison as far as like how quickly it happened. The really cool thing about it is when it happens this fast, is getting to see how getting now if you're a Texans fan or if you're in that organization, how much runway you have now. So now we got the quarterback and the rookie contract for the next few years, right? We got Will Anderson to build around on defense. We're gonna have a quarterback to attract a top receiver if somebody's available out there. Like you, if you're the Texans, are entering this great window of opportunity. Forget even about this year. And they could, I mean, who the hell knows? Who's to say they're not gonna win that division? Right. You know? <laughs> like, um, they could win that division, but like going forward now, you have a bunch of like pretty good young players on that team, and you're gonna have cap space. And you have a real chance to build that thing out now, you know, like the idea of, I don't know, like I'm not deep enough into the draft yet to know who's going to be available with like the 20th pick. But, you know, imagine if you find a great young receiver to pair with him, you know, a lot of exciting stuff there for them. Um, the big loser in all this, Albert, what do you think? The big loser I, in this. Who Bryce do you think Young? is the biggest loser in this? You want no, not Bryce Young. The S two test. The S two test. We're talking about CJ Stroud and the S two test. Oh, the S two test. That's right. Yeah. Did it measure yeah. how you could do that? 
because I, I'm, I am, I am so done with the with the GDS two test, and I I believe <laughs> GDS two test. <laughs> like I don't want to say you know I'm I'm a good maybe I'm that could be Catholic. the like, new way you refer to it the GDS two test. Yeah, I'm a good Catholic boy. I'm not going to say it on a podcast, <laughs> but um, you know, and, and just the way that it gets this stuff gets leaked, and then people who don't know what they're doing then mistake this for a lack of intelligence or ability when it's just you know it's a, t- well, it's a test it's but a te- you know what just I like think, any though, other test here's what i think about like all of that like so like i do think like the intention with these things is good because there is something with the quarterback that is so intangible that you cannot see Right. Sure. And you think you can see it, but there's always the question like, well, is the scheme helping him? What, how is he being coached? Like there are with that position, maybe more than any other position in sports, there's the cerebral part of it that is almost impossible to get a hundred percent. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's very, very hard. And in this day and age, we want to put freaking numbers on everything. We want to put analytics on everything. Right. And I think in a lot of cases, what ends up happening, Connor, is analytics become an excuse for us to pass on something, right? Like the, no, the hard numbers become an excuse. So it's like, all right, well, I passed on Will Anderson because he's not 6'5", 255. And my, 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 my numbers say that that sort of edge rusher only has a 13% chance of being all pro, right? right? So what it does for all of these teams is it creates the outs for them to say no. I don't want to take that risk. I don't want to roll the dice because then they can go to their owner who most of these owners are into analytics three years later and say, well, it wasn't my fault. Like, I mean, I was just following what the numbers were telling me. Right. Right. And this is why I really respect what Baltimore has done. Baltimore has their own in-house analytics operation. And I remember Eric DaCosta saying to me once, what analytics do for me is they create guardrails. And it doesn't mean I can't go outside the guardrails, but I'm going to respect the guardrails, right? And I'm not going to make a million exceptions, but I need to be smart enough and experienced enough and confident enough in what I'm doing to understand when it is the right time to go outside the guardrails. And that's where all like the pre-draft research is worth. Like that, that's what like sitting down with these kids is, is, you know, that's what getting in the room is. That's what like talking to their coaches is. And I, I don't know. I, I just think like too often the biggest problem with these things is they be, they create absolutes, you know? And so I can't have, I can't have a receiver who runs four, six, right? I can't be because the, the, the numbers show me that like, there's almost no chance that that guy is going to make it more than 10 years in the league, whatever it is, something like that. Right. Well, if you're a GM, it's easy to say, well, if I miss on that guy, I can just tell my owner, this is why. And if I take him, right, if I take him, well, then I'll be the laughing stock of everybody. Oh, he took the slow receiver. Well, you could end up with Anquan Bolden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, like, that's the thing about it is, like, it's just, it's, it's mixing art and science, so to speak, you know? Like, there's an art to it. Like, there's an art to using the numbers the right way. And... um now I've talked for five minutes and I'm long-winded about it, but I do think that there's something that's so there's something that's so like the so gray that's so non-black and white about that position. And um, 
I think that like the S2 test is another chant, another attempt to try to make something black and white that is so intrinsically gray, you know? I, like I if, agree. It, like with Tom Brady, like, I mean, Tom Brady's football brilliant. I mean, like he, by his own admission, was like a mediocre student at Michigan. I don't think he scored off the charts on that Wonderlick, right? Like the only way you were going to know was if you did all of your homework and you talked to everybody, right? Like, so there's definitely an art to all of this. And for those of you who don't know, the S2 is a cognition test that was developed by a um, like a party not related to the NFL, basically as a, mm-hmm. an attempt to measure quarterbacks' abilities, you know, and kind of And innate- they got it. To be fair, they got it right a couple times, which was their whole thing, right? Like, I think... Like, Brock Purdy had a really high S2 score. Burrow scored off the charts, right? Yes. Like, so there were a few of them. And I, I remember there was this rumor, and I love Joe, but, so I say this with, you know, I say this with all the respect in my heart, um, but I the, the test was developed at LSU, so I remember a couple people said to me, just, uh, you know, like, you may want to take that Burrow number with a grain of salt. Like, he may have had a, had a few... Uh, a few cracks at that one before he took it for real. <laughs> <laughs> I I do wonder, I mean, you know, you know, is it something like the SATs where if you take it enough times, you can, you can get it better. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I mean, my parents certainly seem to think so when they signed me up for those SATs. How many times did you take the SATs? To? Twice. Twice. Yeah. Um, I How many always you take it twice. And yeah. here's, here's the thing. I think I it t- was, if it, is this right? It was spring of my, Spring of my junior year and fall of my senior year. I think that's what it was back then. I think, I think that, that's right. I think that's right? the move. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would my my play back then was to um, when I would talk to uh, girlfriend's parents at the time was I would give them my SAT score, but they were old enough where they didn't realize or remember that they didn't have a writing component and we did. So I took the SATs with the three categories, math, verbal, and that, writing. Yeah. Yep. And so knocked the writing out of the park, barely I was always wondered, I always wondered how hard the writing was. It was not hard. Okay. Um, I do, but then again, I don't find, I mean, I know it reads like writing is difficult for me, but I don't find writing difficult. Um, but I got like a 1,500 on my SATs, but with a third category. And so I'd tell everybody, like like my girlfriend at the time's parents, they're like, what, 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 how'd you do? I was like, oh, I got a 1500. And they're like, can you believe that her boyfriend got a 1500 on the SATs? And I'm just How like, How bad yep. are his grades that he's not getting into Ivy League schools? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it was um, so... You know, it was it was a helpful it was a helpful tool. Um, I like to you know, nobody asked what I you know how to break it down for them. I just said I got fifteen hundred on my SATs. I did okay. Um, moving on, Buffalo, Cincinnati. We are now at the point, Albert, where the Bills have a better chance of missing the playoffs than making the playoffs. Do you envision this as some sort of a big cataclysmic thing? And I don't. Here's Are why you? I'll say, I, I, I think that every, you know, every couple of years, a team is going to be bad and Buffalo, I think is just, they're going through it right now. They had I, a I really, mean, they had a good run. They have bad injury luck this year too. I mean, they've already lost Tredavious White. They lost to Jones. They lost Matt Milano. Um, you know, I think 
I'll put it that I think we're so hyper focused on certain positions. Like if Stefan Diggs had gone down, everybody would have been like, Oh, Mulligan here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. They lost three guys on defense that are like vital to what they do. Von Miller's probably not quite a hundred percent yet. Like they um I, I still believe in the infrastructure there now. Like it's getting to a point where they're gonna have to start to replace some of these guys, right? Like Micah Hyde's gonna age out, Jordan Poyer's gonna age out, Von Miller's obviously not gonna be around forever. And so like they are gonna get to the point where it's gonna be like, okay, like we, you know, we're gonna have to start to draft and develop into some of the positions that um, you know, where we're getting a little bit older. But I mean, look, they went toe to toe with the Bengals last night. I think the Bengals are a really good team. Like I think the Bengals are like you know, an eight and zero team cloaked as a five and three team because of Burrow's yes. injury. You know, yes. like the Bengals are that. And I think, you know, I talked to Zach Taylor last night, like around midnight after the game, and like he th- he didn't say this explicitly to me, but you can tell he thinks this is his most well rounded team. Like he thinks that this is like as as balanced as they've been. He thinks they benefited from the Burrow injury in certain ways because it forced them to play different ways. And if you look at the last eight minutes of that game against Buffalo, right? So they wind up clo- wind up closing out Buffalo. Joe Burrow threw one pass in the last eight minutes. One pass. And it was because the defense played sound and disciplined and forced Buffalo to chew up five minutes. Then, you know, Burrow hits, uh, hits Tyler Boyd on the, the sideline route, and they run the ball three times, and the game's over. They won that game against Seattle a few weeks ago before their bye with their defense in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know, as good as they were two years ago, do you think the defense can close out a game the way they closed out Seattle two weeks ago? I don't know. You know, so I, I, think, I think last night was as much about how good Cincinnati is as it was about how troubled Buffalo is. Probably more about how good Cincinnati is and how good Cincinnati is going to be going forward. Because I think now you're getting the old borough injected into a team that had to find different ways to win over the first two months. Yeah. Um, I think the Bengals are the kind of team that's good enough that three weeks ago a uh, a sane person would have put them ahead of the Lions in the power rankings. And yep. here we are. Uh, I, I feel good about my decision. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I thought this was still a great – like for everybody who's talking trash about the Bills, Josh Allen still played a monster game here, yep. and his mobility is just off the charts and single-handedly kind of getting this team back into it. But it's it's not enough. I think I mean, this team needs a lot. I mean, I they, think, they need a good offseason. I really – this is why I was so for them rolling the dice on a Barkley or a Jonathan Taylor. I know. I mean, that it would have made just, a big difference. I really do think like, and I know it's not like the popular thing to, to invest in a running back, but to me, like, I think having a running back would almost put a governor on all the wildness of their offense. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I think it would stabilize them. I think it would get them in good down and distance situations more consistently. I think it would, it would like sort of moderate their turnover issues. Like I think having like a steady running back and I like James Cook. But the bottom line is James Cook's like, what, 185 pounds? Like, you're not going to run James Cook into the line 20 times a game, you know? Right. Like I, But I think like having a steady running game would, like, completely stabilize things for them and make Josh Allen even more dangerous. Like, can you imagine having to respect Josh Allen going one way and Saquon Barkley's going the other, you know, on his own read? Like, stuff like that, like, I think 
it would make them so much more dangerous. And, um, you know, like, so I'd be interested if I were Buffalo in either looking at drafting one high next year, or, I mean, look, like Barkley is going to be available. You know, is it, is it worth taking a look at, you know, especially because the guy played in your offense um, in New York the last couple of years? Yeah. Uh, I just feel, and again, I think it's one of those situations where Buffalo needs a little grace. Like this team has been exhausted. This team has been up against it for years, what they went through last year. I mean, there was always going to be a hangover and who knows, maybe they turn it on and they figure things out down the yeah. stretch. But I had them going nine and eight and missing the playoffs in my, I pre- mean, in my predictions. And I just felt like that was, I, I, I just felt there was like, a three week stretch there though. Connor, where they looked spectacular. There was like when they, where they beat the Raiders, the Dol- I mean, so maybe they can recapture that with the Raiders, the Dolphins, and someone else. But they, when they put their foot on the gas, they're as impressive as anybody. Like I thought, we saw during that three week stretch, like they still have that team we saw playing Kansas City on that night three years ago. Like I think we saw, they still have that in them somewhere. It's just I, I can't explain why they can't summon it a little bit more consistently right now. Um, and I do think the injury issues on defense play into it and, you know, sort of force the, the offense to, I think, play like, like, like try to clear a higher bar on a more consistent basis. But um, it'd be interesting to see what happens if they can, if they can somehow summon that when it matters most, you know, uh, because it is a team that like, if they were to like stumble around for the next month, and then, like, sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. I guarantee you, they're the team that, like, the four division champions wouldn't want to wouldn't want to draw in the first round. No doubt, um, Cowboys, Eagles, and here's <laughs> I, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're like me. And no matter what, I, the the new having the Direct TV on YouTube, having Sunday Ticket on YouTube TV is really nice. I like it. My problem is if there is a game on the big TV, I can't watch a game. Like if there's a local game on the big TV, yeah. I can't watch a different game on my laptop. I think it's just a like a size thing or how my attention is diverted. Wait but, a second. So you can't watch. So right, if so, there's so the Giants yeah, the game, or the Jets, I'm in New Jersey, so right? You have so, like the multi view on one TV, right? Then you have on the other TV you have the local game. So and my then, my setup is yeah. I'm at the dining room table, which is right near my TV. Okay. So on the big screen we have the local game which yep. is Jets or Giants. And then on the laptop, you have the four. Yep. And if anything gets good, I'll go to a single screen. But the problem is, um, yesterday, the late window local game was the Giants and the Raiders, which I had a cursory curiosity in because I had the Raiders uh, defense in fantasy football. But, um, and then that one day. got out of hand like, like that. But they wouldn't put on, they wouldn't go to the Eagles game. And I don't know why. And so the Eagles game is popping off. And for some reason, I just can't take my eyes off of poor Tommy DeVito getting the pulp beaten out of him. And meanwhile, one of the best games, better games of the year, I would say, with two teams who are actually in the mix is occurring. And I just can't get my brain to somehow switch from like big screen to little screen. And so I I was just begging Fox. I was like, please mercy this game. And they never did. They just never took it off. You couldn't get the... You couldn't put the Giants Cowboys or the the Eagles Cowboys game up on the big screen. No. Well, I guess I could. My other part here is that I'm too old and I don't know how to get YouTube TV no. I, on my TV. No, really? Yeah, 
I can't That's do that. That's so easy. Like, I'll FaceTime with you later today, and I'll walk you through. It's so easy. you got to be okay. kidding me, Connor. All right. Okay. I'm All older right, than you. Like, I, like I, I, come on, man. Like, it's not that hard. Okay. The YouTube TV thing, like, I, I have YouTube TV on one of my TVs, then I'll have a local game on the other, then I'll have YouTube on my on my laptop, too. I can kind of rig it. Now, it's, like, I can't, the problem is, like, it's, I want to have other stuff open on my laptop, too, which has made me think about buying one of those. Have you seen, like, so, like, the TV station I work with, they have, like, where you have, like, the extra screen, you can drag stuff from one of your screens onto the other screen. Uh-huh. I got to figure out how to get one of those for my office, because then I would have... The second screen, and I could put more YouTube up on that one and have both. But it seems to me like one thing I have noticed, and I got to figure this out. I don't know if they let you have multi view on two different screens. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. I want eight. I right, couldn't, like, I can't do that. I have to, focus but I can't on... either. Like that. I, I used to try at one point, I was like, all right, like I'm going to go sit at a sports bar that I know is not going to be that busy on a Sunday. And try to watch it with, you know, like where they have like a wall of TVs, right? And my ADD is so bad. I just couldn't. I I, no. like, I, I, I had no chance. Like I, you wind up, for me, I just wound up watching nothing. You know what I yes. mean? Like yes. I wound up watching nothing. And I feel like it's this, uh, I don't know. I, I have this long rant about how I do feel like multi-view and red zone are killing our ability to actually just watch and understand oh. one football game. But, well, you your know. kids aren't old enough to like really make it through games yet. Like, my kids won't watch full. Like, I don't, I don't know if like any of the kids watch full games anymore. And I think it's Scott. Han- I personally think it's Scott Hansen's fault. Handsome devil, just <laughs> walking us through every Sunday like that. Um, anyway, I, so everybody should check out Scott Hansen's cameo. By the way, it is. Un- it's and Scott's a buddy of mine. Um, everybody should check out Scott Hansen's cameo. It is. I, I mean, just something special. Can do it probably for what? What does he charge? Hundred bucks? I'm not sure. I'd have to look at that. Is he like a three hundred dollar guy? Give me one. I hope he give me a complimentary one. I'm not sure. Well, you never know. It is. It is, it is something else, though. I promise. I'll leave it at that. But I, I, I promise you. Um, <laughs> once it, it, it's once you once you go in, you're going to be spending some time there. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to 
to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Your head. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. What was your main takeaway from the Eagles-Cowboys game? I just thought, I mean... The Eagles defensive front was like unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they are. At what point do you think we can get over the idea that they lost in the Super Bowl? And so they can't by rule of what has happened in football past, make it back there again, because they're just so good. Well, I mean, like, it's just another, I mean, it's another example of how if you are good on the lines of scrimmage, you are going to be in every freaking game. You're going to be in every game. And, like, I'm not saying it doesn't matter what you have everywhere else, but if you're at least competent at the other positions, no one's going to run away from you. And if you're good at the other positions, you're going to be the Eagles. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, just how deep they are and how good they are at all of those spots up front and how, like, they just have an assembly line of guys coming through but I mean, the offensive lineman who you know made the um, who had the fumble, the crucial fumble recoveries, Tyler Steen, who you know was Alabama's left tackle last year. That's a guy who's like in the pipeline for them, right? And then you look at like the number of guys who made plays for them on defense. It's like every time you look up, Dak Prescott's either got three people around him or is on the ground, and it's someone else there. Whether it's Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter. It's like they're able to come at you in waves. And, um, you know, it's just I, I think it's my, my biggest takeaway is the Eagles are going nowhere because they are so good on the lines of scrimmage. And that is something that, like, doesn't matter weather, time of year, what, like, as long as you're health, relatively healthy, like, that travels everywhere. And um, they're going to be difficult to beat the rest of the year you know, clearly. And, you know, they're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs too. The one question you have, of course, is like Jalen Hurts' health and how like every week he seems to look a little bit more beat up. Um, But 
Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, like the Eagles, I mean, to be able to close the Cowboys out the way that they did too, you know, and not to like beat a dead horse here, but again, the line of scrimmage thing, like, you know, they make the goal line stop. Right. Um, and in part because Dak Prescott's throwing off balance and schoolmakers got to reach for that ball. And then, you know, in the end it's, it's Brandon Graham, um, getting a sack and then Josh Sweat and Jalen Carter coming in on the next play. And, um, uh, it's just, there's just <laughs> players, man. They got so many players, you know. The Cowboys, Mike McCarthy uh, and Dallas kind of had a hand in uh, locking themselves out of this game, too. And I they just. They were co culprits. They were co culprits. Co culprits with the Eagles. Damn. That is that is so hard to say. Co culprits. Um, co culprits. So go. they get the ball down to the Eagles' six yard line. Mm-hmm. with time to play and here's what happens they go false start sack incompletion delay of game and then by then you're so far out that you throw it to cd lamb just to get the ball to him and he backs up and gets tackled before the end zone that right. although that was a pretty good bid that happen. was probably their best play of that series it, it was <laughs> that was a I mean, um, given the situation, like honestly, like given the situation, that was actually a pretty decent play. Yeah, all things considered, what is it like? Um, I mean, they screwed up absolutely everything before that, but that that actually that, that play in a vacuum was pretty good. I think yes. it was what it was third. Yeah, it was third and twenty six from the Eagles twenty seven. Just when we thought you couldn't, what is the dumb and dumber line? Just when we thought you couldn't get any dumber, you go um, and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> yeah. So I think these are these little breadcrumb moments where, I mean, if I'm Jerry Jones, and this is the last year I'm going to believe that Jerry Jones actually cares about winning a Super Bowl, but if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this team, we either win by 50 points or we kind of just vomit on our shoes. There's no middle ground here. And this was finally kind of a nice middle ground game. But then again, at the last second, just a complete and total breakdown. And I'm so I'm wondering, like, is this something where if you're Jerry Jones, you're like, all right, uh, like my window is now. Do you care anymore? Or are you just making so much money that none of this really matters? No, I think he cares deeply about winning another Super Bowl. Like, and I think he does feel urgency for it. Like, I think that that definitely exists. Um, you know, they beat, like, I mean, what does the Rams win mean now? Like, it looked impressive, right? But then the Rams looked like totally inept yesterday against the Packers. They beat the Chargers in LA. That win hasn't aged great. And then you go before that and they got blown out by the. By by the Niners, right? Um, so you beat the Giants I, by forty in a monsoon. They're yep. one of the worst teams in the NFL. You beat the Jets by twenty the, the week after, after they Rogers. lost Aaron Rodgers. Right, right. Then you lost to the Cardinals. <laughs> um, you blew out the Patriots. They're you got bad. blown out by the 49ers. You barely beat the Chargers. You blow out the Rams, who are terrible, and then you lost to the Eagles. Now. They get the Giants and the Panthers and the Commanders next, so it's not really going to matter. We're going to look at this team, and they're going to be 8-3, and three, and we're going to be like, wow, that's great. Look at the Cowboys. But I do think, doesn't there have to be something in the back of your mind there that's like any time this team faces real attrition, they kind of well, get punched in the face? I mean, I believe there are a lot of coaches there who are in contract years, um, so... I do think like there's a decision point coming on that staff. There's also, you know, the, the, 
you know, like the decision that's going to have to be made on Dan Quinn, who can he say no to head coaching opportunities another year? Is he willing to do that? You know, I don't know. Um, and then there's that little thing just circulating a little bit out there about Belichick. Like, would Jerry take a massive swing like that? Would Bill want to do that? You know, so I, I, I think that there's – if they lose – if they were to somehow lose like one or two of the next three, then I think the heat gets turned up. Like I think they, they don't have to win the next three, but I think they have to look a lot better than they have. And that's not to say losing, there's no shame in losing to the Eagles in Philly, but they still sort of lack when you look at their schedule, that win where you're like, yep, there it is. Like that, that's who they can be, you know, because like those wins early in the year don't look nearly as good as they did when we were there. And so, um, yeah, I, I just I, I have a hard time kind of pinning down exactly what the Cowboys are right now. One of my favorite games of the week, the Vikings and the Falcons. Oh, and yeah. I went from being public enemy number one in uh, – well, not public enemy number one, but I just felt like last year the Vikings – I was just like, calm down, guys. Your team's not that good. And, yes, you won 13 games, and the, but then you get knocked out by the Giants in the playoffs. Like, that's where you are as a group of people. But they have flipped from the poster children of luck and good fortune to the poster children of, like, grit and resilience and Toughness. determination. Yeah. This team is so much more fun than the one that was just smoking bad opponents last year and winning a lot of one-score games. This like, The end of this game was unbelievable. But here's where I want to start. Jaron Hall looked really good. <laughs> Like he was, he was only in for a, what a drive and a half before they mm -hmm. had to put Josh Dobbs in. But he threw. He completed five or six passes. O'Connell was not burying him in the run game. They were letting him sling it. He had the long uh, completion to Madison. I thought he looked really good. And so I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm like, with Josh Dobbs, you know, if Jaron Hall's got to come back into a game, I'm like, I, Justin Jefferson comes back. This team could. Make frisky. the playoffs. They're frisky, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, I mean, I think they um, – I think it's like a good indication of like where the team's going. And it wasn't just like, you know, the quarterback injuries. They lose acres in that game. Um, they went in – they found out Christian Derrissaw was going to be out like what, like 90 minutes before kickoff. That's a huge deal when you lose your left tackle. That close to kickoff, K.J. Osborne goes down. Um, you know, I, I just I, – I think that – it looks like they've really found something with Kevin O'Connell as their head coach, you know, like, and it looks like that team plays with identity. It looks like Kevin is like consistently getting the most out of his quarterbacks and consistently getting the most out of skill players. Like every, every sing, every offensive player on their roster has taken a step forward from Kirk cousins to Justin Jefferson, to KJ Osborne, to Christian Derrick, like everyone on that roster has taken a step forward since he's been there. And they're getting the most out of everybody. And now you're looking at a team, and I, I don't, I hate to look ahead, but I will because I think this has been sort of a, like this was marked as a reset year for them. They're going to come out of this year with a clean salary cap, with a full complement of draft picks. Um, and I, I think like for if you're a quarterback, like it's an attractive destination, right? Like who's to say they don't draft like JJ McCarthy next year, and now all of a sudden they've really got something? You know what I mean? Like I. I just really like where they are and where they're going. And, and like you said, like, I think, you know, like the fact that like there was all this noise and I mean, look, I created some of the noise because I had written a few different times, like how this was a reset year. And if you look like at their actions, it has they acted been a reset like it. Year. Yeah. It's a reset year. Right. 
but like in that circumstance, to be able to climb back from one and four and keep winning this way is I'm pretty damn impressive. And like I said, like I think the heart of it is like Kevin is like legitimately getting the most out of everybody, you know? And um, you know, even like the defensive side, like I think Brian Flores has, you know, done a good job and Kevin was quick to yeah, acknowledge that maybe he made a mistake hiring Ed Donatelli a year ago, you know? And so, like, I think there's just so many good signs about where they're going. And that doesn't mean that they're, you know, going to challenge the Lions to win the NFC North or make noise in the playoffs or anything like that. But in a weekend NFC, could they sneak in as like a six or seven seed? Absolutely. And that's crazy that I can say that with that much confidence after they lost their starting quarterback a week ago. My only Falcons note here is that Arthur Smith, you were on the goal line and then you do a reverse handoff to Janu Smith. Yeah. You have Tyler Algier. You have Bajan Robinson. You have the best complement of skill position talent in the NFL. What is going on here? Um, God, I, I you know it sucks because I like, I do think that they do, they've done a lot of things right there, and I do think like on paper the idea of waiting to go on on the quarterback is the right thing to do because the last thing you want to do is you know go one hundred percent in on a quarterback that maybe you're only seventy five percent sure about. But I mean it's it's hard not to like look at like their quarterback situation yesterday and like rolling Taylor Heineke out there and Heineke has an excite, been an exciting player the last few years and everything else. But you know, like seeing where they are a quarterback and then looking on the other side of the field and seeing Kevin O'Connell win with a guy who, I mean, I think Kevin O'Connell's ability to get what he got out of Josh Dobbs made a lot of people look bad yesterday. A lot of people look bad, you know, like, and um, you know, like, Almost in a, this doesn't have to be that complicated kind of way, you know? Yeah. Um, you can win games without kickers. You can win games. Um, well, you can win games with a running back as a kicker. You can win right. games with Josh Dobbs having just gotten I was stunned. Yeah, I talked to T- Tank Dell after the game, and it was kind of hilarious because he told me he didn't even know Daria Gumbawale could even kick. He said he had no idea. And he was like sort of wondering what he was doing going out there with the field goal team. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. t- t- Tank's a rookie, so like maybe maybe he's missed some stuff. But um, I mean, what like I, I I sort of like think about like coaching our uh, coaching the third grade team when I was watching that because it was like you know we can't long snap yet like they're too young to long snap. So you kick it off the tee. You never, yeah, they're kicking off the tee, but we're too young to. They're too. We're, we haven't taught. We haven't got them the long snapping yet, which means no punting and no field goals, which means you're going for it on fourth down every time, you know. And uh, and yeah, so I kind of thought about like, oh, like they've been in the situation we've been in for the last two months, where every time we get into the red zone, it's uh, we gotta we're, we're we're in two down territory. That's so funny. Well, actually, um, we're constantly in two-down territory. Like, not even the red zone. We're just constantly in two-down. But they would be in two-down territory in the red zone. You're, you're like third-grade Kevin Kelly, the Arkansas head coach who never, uh, who never punts. Um, That's right. Yeah. 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 The only, the only May other not game... be by choice, but, you know, we're where Kevin Kelly is. <laughs> the only other game I thought was worth taking a, a little bit of a look at this weekend was Miami and Kansas City. I can't – I don't know what it is. I can't get on board with the early – with the early games on the East coast. Like, you know, I was just telling our producer Shelby, like I had the, you know, the Germany games on, but I also got the, you know, I got the New York city marathon on yesterday. I'm, I'm trying to watch, I'm trying to see how this race goes. 
trying to see all my friends. I'm trying to see, you know, the women's race was really interesting, but that's my early morning non-football time. That's like my getting my, you know, what together time. And all of a sudden I got like, you know, it's a massive AFC game, massive AFC (laughs) game on. And I'm just like, I finally come to, and the chiefs are up 21, 14. And I'm just like, Oh, oh, okay. All right. Time to get connected Mm -hmm. here. But Nice game from Kansas City's defense. I think that we I, have not been talking nearly enough, and I'll blame myself first. I'm the guy who puts out the coaching list. I don't think Steve Spagnola will get another crack, but he has done phenomenal, such a good job with this defense. I mean, yep. from where it was, and before Steve Spagnola was there, I mean, it was Bob Sutton, and Bob Sutton is a legend, really the precursor to a lot of the Rex Ryan stuff. He's a yeah, godfather. He was Rex's DC back in the, uh, the Connor... The Connor or Salad days on the Jets beat, right? That's right. Um, yeah. And so I, I always have a soft spot in my heart for Bob Sutton. But when Steve Spagnuolo came over, I at first I thought, I don't know, man, because I would talk to players that hated playing in his defense. Like um, if you ever talk to um, like some of the guys like Malcolm Jenkins, some of the Saints that were on some of those teams when Spagnuolo was there, like the Bounty Gate era Saints oh, yeah. were just like they despise that defense and he has evolved to the point where this is a this is a formidable defense this is one of the better defenses in the nfl i mean is it it might be better than their offense right now yeah like i mean they they and, and it's interesting because i think it's been years of like all of these they have all of these flexible pieces like all their d linemen can play inside or out right and there are defensive backs like Legarius Sneed, like he traveled with Tyreek Hill yesterday, and that allowed them to use Trent McDuffie as a blitzer. So you think about that, like Sneed at one point was just like their slot corner. Now he's traveling with Tyreek Hill, so you free up Trent McDuffie where you can use him different ways. And so now the offense is looking at these two guys, and it's like, okay, like where are they going to be? Well, he's over here on Hill, so that means McDuffie could be anywhere. And is Chris Jones inside or out? Is Amenahu inside or out? Like, it does like sort of remind you of those great giant defenses that Spagnolo had, you know, back, you know, whatever, 15 years ago when you had all those D linemen that could play inside and out, you had, you know, flexible pieces. I don't know if he was still the coordinator when Antrell roll was there, but that's one name that kind of pops into my head as a guy who was like corner safety flexibility. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I think like they're not only very flexible, flexible and versatile, but they've got like a lot of like really good young players, you know, like McDuffie's a really good player. Like I think McDuffie's a borderline all pro Sneed's a really good player. Um, Justin Reed's a good player. Justin Reed can move down and play some linebacker for them. Willie Gay's a good player. Um, Amena, who's a good player. Obviously Chris Jones is Chris Jones. So, um, you know, it's a, it's not just a, it's not just like a well-conceived good scheme, like versatile type of defense. It's like also like, there's there's like legitimate talent because Brett Feach and, and Spagnola have worked together so well in finding the right guys for it. The in terms of EPA per play, which I like. Do you like uh-huh. EPA? Are you an EPA guy? Expected pl- uh, per what was that? Expected points added. Okay. All right. Are you so, are, are you are you pro EPA or are you anti? I guess I'm pro EPA. I haven't really used it before, but I'll go with it uh, just for you, Connor. Are you a DVOA guy? I I think DVOA. I think it's a good tool. I'll put it that way. I think okay. it's a good tool. Are you All a big right. DVOA guy? I like DVOA. I like things. Is your gospel taking... or no? No. I mean, again, I think, but 
in terms of you know if if we're making an evalu a statistical evaluation i like things that take into consideration more than just the raw numbers like right. cuz you'll talk to a coach and you'll be like oh, i got here and i raised his completion percentage from this to this but it it leaves out a big chunk of yeah you know, uh, of Context. the why. And I feel like some of this stuff adds some of the why back in. So I like it mm -hmm. at least a little bit better. But anyway, EPA expected points added. Kansas City Chiefs are fifth offensively and they're fifth defensively. Like imagine a year where the defense is on par. It's as good as it's an equal part mm -hmm. to. And I thought that, you know, listen, I, I think they're doing a good job of force feeding guys like Rashi Rice and trying to get Sky more involved here. I don't know if it's going to happen especially right. in time for when they need it to happen. And these guys are going to have to step up massively in big yep. games at the end of the season. But it's, there's nothing wrong with having your defense I mean, carry the load for a little while. You know? Yeah, and, and I, I, uh, it was interesting because I, um, I heard what Mahomes said to Jeff Darlington after the game on the field. And, Did he uh, get to go to Germany? Yeah, I'm jealous of Jeff. Jeff wow, had, like, he the, swung uh, the Germany trip, huh? Yeah, yeah. Jeff had like the uh, – Jeff had like the – had a picture of like a beer flight um, on like, and it was like Saturday afternoon there, but it was like, you saw it on, like I saw it on, I forgot to send it to him, but um, I, you saw it on social media at like 8.30 AM um, on, um, you know, US time. Is Jeff and a beer like, guy? He looks like he just, he, he looks. <laughs> yeah, Jeff is a beer guy. And I, and, and so he has the beer flight and it's like, you wake up on Saturday morning and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm going out to like my kids' flag game. I'm like, God damn it, Jeff! Like, so he's on his day off in Germany. So yes, he swung the Germany trip. Um, good for Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. Um, he's just got these he nice tight fitting suits. And he did, and he did, and he did, and he did, he did pull the animal house bit, but while he was there um, on Twitter, which I really did appreciate too. Um, but Mahomes said to him, um, you know, like that he thinks it's the best defense in the league, which might be putting it might might be going a little too far, but. He said he thinks it's the best defense in the league, and then he said, and it's going to give us time to catch up the, with them on offense. We'll be where we need to be when it counts, you know? And it sort of reminded me of the way, again, like this is like the easy comparison because it's like the new dynasty versus the old dynasty, but like the way the Patriots used to evolve over the course of the year, and there would be like certain strengths they would have that would lift everybody else up, and then by the end of the year, like they would have the other parts of their team worked out. And it sort of feels like that's the way the Chiefs, because of how transcendent Mahomes is, because of how good Reed and his staff are, that they're able to, you know, be good enough in enough areas to the point where when they have issues, they can sort of work them out on the fly. And I think that's where they're 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 at right now. And I, I think it's easy to forget too, Connor. They were breaking in two new tackles, and that's not automatic. You yeah. Know? You're an old offensive lineman, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Communicate, Reser communi reserve guard. Yeah, communi communication is really important for those old linemen, you know. Like so, like I do think like that's an element too of like kind of working it out when you have two new tackles. Like there is a little bit of a learning curve there, and it does seem like they're better in those spots than they were in September. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With that, let's hit some lightning round action here. Um, the Colts beat the Panthers 27-13. Bryce Young has two pick sixes. Uh, the Thomas Brown offensive coordinator era is off to a precarious start. And at one point in time, I would have told you you were high if you thought that this was going to be a one-and-done situation. I don't think it's that crazy at this point. Like, I I really do think that David Tepper is of, what a hothead the owner it, is. Yeah, is, that is, of, is of the temperament that this thing could get mixed up quickly. Right, and I think, you know, like, Again, like sometimes, like the owners, owners like a lot of times have like little things that they want to take advantage of, and I think one of those little things is the window that you have with a rookie quarterback, right? Yep. With a young quarterback on the rookie contract, and um, I could see where maybe it causes him to act with urgency, you know, and say, "I have to do something because before you know it, we're going to be at year four, of Bryce Young, and then we're going to have to make a decision on where we're going with him, and we're going to have blown that window. So um, I could see him acting with some urgency. I I don't think it happens, but if Bryce Young keeps playing this way and they look like they're miles behind the Houston Texans right now, like who, same thing, new coach, new quarterback, right? Um then maybe we're talking about this being more of a, a reality a month or two from now, you know, and it's just, it doesn't look like Bryce is getting a whole lot better is I think the biggest problem. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't, I think part of the problem that Frank deals with here too, is that the owner really did think he was close, you know, and uh, between Brian Burns and JC Horn and, you know, all the high draft picks, Derek Brown, like all the hair, all the high, um, all the high draft picks, all the talent they've got on defense, how they thought they got their offensive line right last year. Um, I, I I know this is massively disappointing for people in their front office and, you know, all the way up to the top to the ownership suite. I feel like um, uh, watching DeForest Buckner sack Bryce Young was one of the most stunning dis- size discrepancy moments in the NFL. <laughs> I was just like, it, it it's like when I 
pick up one of my kids, you know, and throw them into into bed. I was like, oh my god, like he could completely envelop Bryce Young. I I, I think I still think Bryce Young's good. I think in three years, him and C.J. Stroud will be on equal footing. I know that's a hot take. I might write it later this week, Albert. Who knows? Um, but that'd be the, a good one to have in the holster. Oh yeah. Um, my only hot take from this one is that I you you have to watch the locker room video of this game. Jim Irsay is dancing to a boombox, which I think is sort of like a played out thing and is not funny. But what was yeah. funny was he was holding Shane Steichen's hand, the head coach, and then holding just did like I guess they like bro hugged like, or whatever. Like, then, like a like in like a square dancing sense, kind of like. Yeah, yeah, like a little bit. Like they, they, like it looked like they high fived, and then they kept the high five. Like he kept hold of his hand. Oh, yeah, okay. And then okay, he's, and then okay. he's dancing, and he's dancing, and he's dancing, and you could tell Shane is like, get my hand, like I need my hand back. Like this is weird. And I need Jim my Ursa hand back, but I don't know his, if I want to rip it away from my boss. From the owner, yeah. And so it's one of those great, um, like the Awkward. office moments. Yeah, it's yeah. just very funny. Um, so that's that's really my only takeaway here. Um, Giants Raiders. I, I, I will, I will say this. Is is there something here? Is this the dead cat bounce? It, yes. Well, I don't know. Here's what I will say. The giants, that is the worst situation to be in for any team. When you fire an unpopular head coach who, you know, I know you wrote about some of the team meeting stuff. I know there's been some of that stuff circulating too throughout the week. It sounds like it got bad. To the point where these yeah. guys were genuinely thrilled that he was gone. They were all smoking cigars in the locker room afterwards, which I thought was a bad look. But you, as the Giants, there's nothing you can do about that. And then Daniel right. Jones tears his ACL. And then you put, get put into a situation where Max Crosby can just... Uh, Evan Neal got hurt in this game after just coming back from another injury. The whole thing was a disaster. So I do feel bad for the Giants. I think their consolation prize here is going to be Drake May. Good for them. I think it's going to be all right, and everything's going to work out. Drake May is like the perfect Giant, too. He he really is. Yeah. (laughs) He's like like central casting New York Giant, like son of an athlete, same way Eli was, you know, like comes from a sort of, I guess, Southern royalty. You know, like he just... I mean, they all so have yeah, that. It's the kind. It's kind. It's the kind. It's the kind of thing that John Mara could re- really wrap his head, wrap his head around. Eli Drake May and Daniel Jones all have hair that looks like it is a small helmet, like of hair, <laughs> and and it looks like you can remove it almost like, like a military those, hel- like a World War II military helmet. Almost like the um, you know, the concussion helmets that goalies wear in uh, in English soccer. It's almost like that, but with hair on top of it, and they all have it. So maybe that's what Dave Gettleman was talking about when he's saying "full bloom love." Um, it's it starts it starts up top, which is something I don't know anything about. Yeah, uh, I, I think the thing the thing that's interesting about the Daniel Jones situation is because of how this year went. When they're making a decision on that position in the spring, they have like no more information than they had when they signed the deal in the first place last March. You know, do you, do you want my easy solution? I yeah. think this is the easiest solution in the world. You draft Drake May number two, which is where you're sitting right now, or Caleb Williams, if that's who's who falls to you, and you let you let Daniel Jones have a Kyler Murray year. Like yeah. you take your time. You can rehab it, and if you're back in October and Drake May's not ready yet, you know, then you can play, and then we'll cut you after 2024 when we can eat the 22 million in dead cap or your 
probably not tradable, but there's something that we can work out with the money. Everyone's treating this like it's a big thing. And when I wrote it yesterday, like I I think he's done in terms of being the Giants' unquestioned starter. I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind. But this is an easy situation. Daniel Jones likes it there. They like him. The owner loves him. Just let him hang out for a year. What's the worst that he's doing? Yeah, there's no real downside. I mean, I guess the down, the worst thing that would happen is that he comes in and plays great, and then you've got like the Philip Rivers, Drew Brees situation, right? Which is a good problem which is to a have. Good, which is a good problem to have. It's like a champagne problem. I great also problem. didn't know until just now, looking up at the TV in here, um, learned this in the bottom line a second ago, that Matt Barkley is on the Giants roster. So there you have it. What? Yeah. <laughs> just learned that in the bottom line, which just flashed on the TV. Sick. My my one good Matt Barkley story is that I so went I don't to know Buffalo. if I'd rather watch I don't know if I'd rather watch Tommy DeVito or Matt Matt Barkley is actually a really good guy but I don't know if I'd rather I don't know which which I would rather watch because like I like I said on Twitter last Tommy DeVito does sound like a guy like they pulled off the con, con, uh, off a construction site you know as a uh, as, to 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 play during the 1987 strike. I went up to interview Matt Barkley for a story that never ran thank God because it was terrible but just about what it was like to be like Trevor Lawrence basically where you were essentially known to be the best quarterback in the world for like eight years before you even got to college. And so I was talking to him about it and someone pulled me over in the bills locker room, another player. And he goes, this guy right here is, is MF and case Keenum. And it was, I think it was right after like the Minneapolis miracle. And he's like, Matt Barkley's MF and case Keenum. And I was like, that's a, it's a really nice compliment. But, uh, you know, anyway, um, the Ravens demolished the Seahawks. Uh, I think this was a this was a game that kind of showed everybody, like the Seahawks are good, they're not great. Right. Uh, the Ravens I thought were good, but are might actually be a lot better than might might be great. And I don't think that there's. I think the Ravens have the two best wins of the season. Yeah. Of any team, like I think that this win and the what they did to the Lions two weeks ago might be the two best wins in the entire league of any team this season. Just because of what they did to those teams, like it was like non-competitive, like just a physical beatdown. And this feels to me like this is trending towards being like a vintage Raven season, you know. Just because, like I, you know, you look at like the job Lamar's doing distributing the ball. He's still effective as a runner. They ran for three hundred yards yesterday, and the defense is suffocating, you know. And the defense has horses again. So it would have been really fun to see them wind up with like a Daniil Hunter, like we talked about last week, you know, and see what where that would take them. But they're really good as it is. New Orleans Saints get to five and four of the twenty four seventeen win over the Bears. I love watching the Saints because, like, all of a sudden Taysom Hill will just come into games, <laughs> and you're paying a quarterback forty million dollars a year, and then you're just like, yeah, let's throw in more accurate Tim Tebow for like big downs and not just rushing downs. Like Taysom Hill is throwing for touchdowns. His team makes it no sense. It always catches me. Out. It always like it always like kind of like if you've got like four or five games on with the multi view and all of that. Like it always like it's always that that thing you catch right in the corner of your eye too. Like where you look down, it's like holy crap, David Carr's run. No, 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 no. That's number seven. Yep. Yep. It, it, the, my only other thought here is that, and I, I wanted to do it in all my leagues this year, and then I forgot about it, but Taysom Hill should be like your second to last draft pick in every fantasy football league. And because yeah. you have guys that are sitting on the bench all year, you should just have him on the bench all the time because 
there's going to be like a three-week stretch where he plays quarterback and he scores like 17 points a game. Um, just, you know, anyway. Uh, the Commanders beat the Patriots 20-17. to 17. If anyone can tell me one thing about this game without looking it up, I'll give you $11. Isn't that amazing? Like, this game was so far off my radar, it might have well have been played in, like, I had to watch Tasmania. it because I'm going to talk about it on TV and radio all week. Um, That's true. My thought is that Patriots are going to Germany this week, and they're going to play the Colts at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning in a game that a lot of people aren't going to watch. And this is legitimately where another coach would get fired if it wasn't Bill. If you look at the last four years and you divorce it from the previous 20, which you can't, right? But if you look at the last four years, it was seven wins, 10 wins playoffs get blown out in the first round of the playoffs. Seven wins, now this. And now you've lost the commanders who had just traded two of their best players, their two defensive ends, right? And you're going to Germany and playing a rebuilding Colts team. This would be the spot where another coach would get fired. If the last four years belong to another coach, this is where, and I'm not advocating, Bill does, does not, Bill deserves the rest of the year for all he's accomplished, right? But am I wrong? No, I, I don't think so. Um, and far be it from anyone to embarrass an NFL franchise in front of the lovely fans in uh, in Frankfurt in Germany. Yeah, we had because you remember there was that streak of like coaches getting fired in London. Yeah, wasn't it like it was like Dennis Allen, Joe Philbin, right? Like there was like I think it was like two or three years in a row a coach didn't make it back from London. As if traveling to that place isn't crappy didn't, enough. Didn't one of them get fired and then like was flying was fired flying home on the team plane or something like that? God, could you imagine? I think be- that was the Raider. I think that was that Dennis Allen like was fired at the stadium and then had to fly home fired on the team plane like twelve hours. I mean, I shouldn't laugh about that because it sucks. But like, what an awkward situation. The. I mean, flying to London or anywhere in Europe sucks so much. And to then also receive bad news on that flight, my well, God. Well, I, I will say that flying back's not as bad. Well, that's true, because you're coming flying back there's... into your natural body clock. Yeah. Um, so maybe but... maybe whoever that fired coach was, that I can't, I can't remember which one it was, but whoever that was um, had that going for him that day. Yeah, so get ready for that, Germany. Mac Jones, right after Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Mike McDaniel and Andy Reid. Mac Jones versus Gardner Minshew. Mac Jones and Gardner Minshew, exactly. And Jim Irsay holding his hand, holding hands with the coach. Right, uh, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Packers 20, Rams 3. I... (laughs) So we do like a picks against the spread thing with SI gambling. I am now 1 in 7 on the year so like i'm giving air quotes expert gambling advice i picked the rams i thought i thought they would play well i thought that you could get oh i thought you could get something out of brett ripon um but uh yeah that's that's not the case this uh both of these teams are bad um I don't know. I mean, Aaron Jones looks healthy, which is good. Um, if Luke Musgrave is your leading wide receiver, like this is good. I think Packer fans are tired of hearing how young the team is, but yeah. these are kind of the games that you'd like to see. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, like I, I don't know. I I just try to keep reminding myself that they were six and ten the first year Rodgers was a starter, and that was coming off an NFC title game appearance, and like that sometimes these ta- these things take time to reset. They were ten and fourteen through Aaron Rodgers' first year and a half before they really turned into a rocket ship and figured it out. So love you do takes time. It, you want you do want to give it some time, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is the week where you could say, yep, there it is. You know what I mean? Just because the Rams are not in a good place right now. They should just take some of these games and they should play them as like, um, like they should just play them in random outposts at th- throughout the world and then don't even televise them here. Like we'll just find out what happens like on the AP wire in the newspaper. Like we don't need to see it on TV. When you get to the point where you're like the Patriots – and you're not the air quotes the big dynasty Patriots anymore, and you're two and seven, and it's November. Just just play the games in like like when the Raiders played that game in Winnipeg, and uh, yeah, AD and Antonio Brown froze his feet. Wasn't there like a hole, a random hole in the field too, or something like that? Do you remember that? Was there really? Uh, like it was something ridiculous because it was probably the second most ridiculous thing of the last few years to only to. Like when the um, the logo, the Hall of Fame logo, melted into the field in Canton, and they couldn't play. Remember that? Yeah. When they had to cancel the Hall of Fame game because the, the logo itself melted. Well, there was, um, if I remember right, again, you got to look this up. But the Raiders were playing a preseason game in Winnipeg, and they had sold the game to Winnipeg because they were fighting with Oakland because they were leaving Oakland. And uh, so they play this game in Winnipeg, and I believe the CFL goalposts are in the middle of the end zone. Isn't that right? <laughs> right, they like, are. Oh, yes. Right, so they're in the middle of the end zone. And so they hadn't properly – they hadn't filled in the hole that the CFL goalpost had left. And so there was just like a random hole in the end zone that I believe the NFL hadn't taken care of. Fantastic. I'm while you're saying this, I'm Googling the most remote outposts in the world where you could play an NFL football game. But the Google said uh, North Sentinel Island, which is not true. You're not allowed on North Sentinel Island, I believe, is the only place like there's been people that? who have tried to go there. It's in the Bay of Bengal, but it's you if you try to go there, the people who live on that island just like destroy people. Like there's been people who have tried to like, like come on boats. Can- like and cannibals or no, I no, I don't think so. But like, like I think there's been like missionary deaths there. What's the name of it? North Sentinel Island, which like, okay. I mean, that's what we call it. I don't know what they would call it, but um, yeah. So you can't play a Patriots game on North Sentinel Island. That's, that's false. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, they should just like, I don't know, tie, like put, put an NFL game in like, Japan make the Patriot like if you're bad you shouldn't be relegated but you you should have to travel to random places you know what is, I mean is South Sentinel Island just as dangerous I don't know maybe it's like I don't know I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just getting into the Bay of Bengal right now so that's my uh you know uh, you can ask uh, now I'm on Quora, which is like I'm gonna waste more time than I should today looking this up. Oh hell yeah! Has anyone tried to? Has anyone been to North Sentinel Island on Quora? And like, th- there's like people being like, yeah, I did, but it's like, no, you definitely didn't. Oh, so wait, it's part of India, but then it's like, looks like it's like kind of like closer to like Indo- Indonesia, right? Then, yeah, yeah, right. Like, so is, isn't this where that like plane crashed? 
Which but wasn't remember the Malaysian was it Malaysia Air? The plane oh, the plane disappeared. I think we're mixing w- together two pop culture phenomenon things. I, I watched a whole I watched a whole special on it, and this this string of islands here I think was where I think it was like where the and Shelby our producer is now saying no on the uh, on the chat. <laughs> so, I don't think so. <laughs> but I swear to God, like I think I think the net that there's a Netflix special on like that that Malaysia airplane that like disappeared, and I I could swear it was right in this string of islands where like the plane took like a turn west or something, and then like just like was never seen again. I thought that was it. But Shelby will keep us updated on that. I'm almost positive it was. Maybe they have the answer to fixing Mac Jones and, and making it more interesting. Um, very last but not least, we have the Browns just <laughs> yeah. clubbing the Cardinals 27 nothing. I mean, this is what happens now, right? When you get rid of Josh Dobbs, now you're free-falling. Now you're getting into the point where Caleb Williams comes into focus. At this point, the only question is whether the Panthers can out pace the Giants at this point for that number two pick. Well, this is the first time, Connor. the Bears, really. But This was the first time where the Cardinals really didn't show up. Yep. You know, like this was the first time where it felt like, all right, like this is what we sort of expected from them. And I don't know whether they ran out of gas or, or what it was, but they just, it's, um, it's certainly interesting because now – you know, you, you look at it, and the I would say the race, the Caleb Williams sweepstakes has really started to heat up, you know, like where – and I'm looking at it here because I had it in my notes yesterday. Um, yeah, so it right now we have the Cardinals at 1-8. and eight. We have the Bears with the Panthers pick at 1-7. and seven. We have the Bears with their slotted pick at 2-7, and seven, the Giants with their slotted pick at 2-7, and seven, and the Patriots – with their slotted pick at two and seven. So it's um it's an interesting situation. Those five teams are all squarely in the running. And so the Cardinals really need to keep the pace, or else somebody could swoop in and take that quarterback from them. Yeah. Um other than that, I mean Sean Watson's back, two hundred and nineteen yards, two yeah. touchdowns. One of them was a tipped uh touchdown, so let's not uh let's not get too excited yet. Um but we'll see. That was I a mean, bizarre play. Like it like so almost weird. It, it well landed right in his hands almost like as, as if it was planned. You know what I mean? Like it was like the way that thing bounced, it bounced right into his like bread basket. So it was like popped up into the air and then just like hit him in stride. Well. Um not sure boy. if there's much too much to read into that, but it's it's I so it was hard. Interesting. It's so hard to go back to the Browns after North Sentinel Island. Like my mind is just on fire right now about <laughs> my like, mind this. is on North Sentinel Island. I know. I mean, you know, Cleveland, uh, just win a few more games and uh, you'll you'll be more deserving of our attention. Uh, that and is... I and I'm gonna try. I'm I'm gonna actively try to uh, prove producer Shelby wrong and show him that the Malaysia Air <laughs> disappearance <laughs> did happen over North Sentinel Island or thereabouts. Albert, you better you better watch it, man. You're getting to the bottom of this. You're getting too close. Can I get like a? I mean, can I get like maybe like a, a like 200 mile radius uh, margin for error there? So if, if the it was Malaysian like close, Airlines if, flight if it was, was close found, to North Sentinel Island, like within 200 was, miles, if it was found within even in the same ocean, I will give you credit for it. <laughs> but I don't think that's true. Um, but Albert is enterprising. That's why we have him here. Thanks as always uh, to my buddy here for coming on and. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we have the Matt and Gilberto show on Thursday. Please give it a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show. Let us know what you think of the Sunday Monday show. I'm Connor Rohr, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.